Act One of As You Like It. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. As You Like It by William Shakespeare. Act One. Scene One Orchard of Oliver's House. Enter Orlando and Adam. As I remember, Adam, it was upon this fashion bequeathed me by will but poor a thousand crowns and as thou sayest charged my brother on his blessing to breed me well and there begins my sadness my brother jaquiz he keeps at school and report speaks goldenly of his profit for my part he keeps me rustically at home or to speak more properly stays me here at home unkept for call you that keeping for a gentleman of my birth that differs not from the stalling of an ox his horses are bred better for besides that they are fair with their feeding, they are taught their manege, and to that end riders dearly hired. But I, his brother, gain nothing under him but growth, for the which his animals on his dunghills are as much bound to him as I. Besides this nothing that he so plentifully gives me, the something that nature gave me his countenance seems to take from me. He lets me feed with his hinds, bars me the place of a brother, and, as much as in him lies, minds my gentility with my education. This is it, Adam, that grieves me, and the spirit of my father, which I think is within me, begins to mutiny against this servitude. I will no longer endure it, though yet I know no wise remedy to avoid it. Yonder comes my master, your brother. Go apart, Adam, and thou shalt hear how he will shake me up. Enter Oliver. Now, sir, what make you here? Nothing. I am not taught to make anything. What mar you then, sir? Mary, sir, I am helping you to mar that which God made, a poor, unworthy brother of yours, with idleness. Mary, sir, and be better employed, and be naught a while. Shall I keep your hogs and eat husks with them? What prodigal portion have I spent to come to such penury? Know you where you are, sir? Oh, very well, sir, here in your orchard. Know you before whom, sir? I, better than him I am before, knows me. I know you are my eldest brother, and in the gentle condition of blood you should so know me. The courtesy of nations allows you my better in that you are the first-born but the same tradition takes not away my blood were there twenty brothers betwixt us i have as much of my father in me as you albeit i confess your coming before me is nearer to his reverence what boy come come elder brother you are too young in this wilt thou lay hands on me villain i am no villain i am the youngest son of sir roland de bois he was my father, and he is thrice a villain that says such a father begot villains. Would thou not my brother, I would not take this hand from thy throat till this other had pulled out thy tongue for saying so. Thou hast railed on thyself. Sweet masters, be patient, for your father's remembrance be it accord. Let me go, I say. I will not, till I please. You shall hear me. My father charged you in his will to give me good education. You have trained me like a peasant, obscuring and hiding from me all gentlemanlike qualities. The spirit of my father grows strong in me, and I will no longer endure it. Therefore, allow me such exercises as may become a gentleman, or give me the poor lottery my father left me by testament. 
with that i will go buy my fortunes and what wilt thou do beg when that is spent well sir get you in i will not long be troubled with you you shall have some part of your will i pray you leave me i will no further offend you than becomes me for my good get you with him you old dog is old dog my reward most true i have lost my teeth in your service god be with my old master he would not have spoke such a word exeunt orlando and adam is it even so begin you to grow upon me i will physic your rankness and yet give no thousand crowns neither holla dennis enter dennis called your worship was not charles the duke's wrestler here to speak with me so please you he is here at the door and importunes access to you call him in exit dennis twill be a good way and to-morrow the wrestling is enter charles good morrow to your worship good monsieur charles what's the news at the new court there's no news at the court sir but the old news that is the old duke is banished by his younger brother the new duke and three or four loving lords have put themselves into voluntary exile with him whose lands and revenues enrich the new duke therefore he gives them good leave to wander can you tell if rosalind the duke's daughter be banished with her father oh no for the duke's daughter her cousin so loves her being ever from their cradles bred together that she would have followed her exile or have died to stay behind her she is at the court and no less beloved of her uncle than his own daughter and never two ladies loved as they do where will the old duke live they say he is already in the forest of arden and a many merry men with him and there they live like the old robin hood of england they say many young gentlemen flock to him every day and fleet the time carelessly as they did in the golden world what you wrestle to-morrow before the new duke marry do i sir and i came to acquaint you with a matter i am given sir secretly to understand that your younger brother orlando hath a disposition to come in disguised against me to try a fall to-morrow sir i wrestle for my credit and he that escapes me without some broken limb shall acquit him well your brother is but young and tender and for your love i would be loath to foil him as i must for my own honour if he come in therefore out of my love to you i came hither to acquaint you withal that either you might stay him from his intendment or brook such disgrace well as he shall run into in that it is a thing of his own search and altogether against my will charles i thank thee for thy love to me which thou shalt find i will most kindly requite i had myself notice of my brother's purpose herein and have by underhand means laboured to dissuade him from it but he is resolute i'll tell thee charles it is the stubbornest young fellow of france full of ambition an envious emulator of every man's good parts a secret and villainous contriver against me his natural brother therefore use thy discretion i had as lief thou didst break his neck as his finger and thou wert best to look to it for if thou dost him any slight disgrace or if he do not mightily grace himself on thee he will practise against thee by poison 
entrap thee by some treacherous device, and never leave thee till he hath tamed thy life by some indirect means or other. For, I assure thee, and almost with tears I speak it, there is not one so young and so villainous this day living. I speak but brotherly of him, but should I anatomize him to thee as he is, I must blush and weep, and thou must look pale and wonder. I am heartily glad I came hither to you. If he come to-morrow, I'll give him his payment. If ever he go alone again, I'll never wrestle for prize more. And so God keep your worship. Farewell, good Charles. Exit Charles. Now will I stir this gamester. I hope I shall see an end of him, for my soul, yet I know not why, hates nothing more than he. Yet he's gentle, never schooled, and yet learned, full of noble device, of all sorts of enchantingly beloved, and indeed so much in the heart of the world, and especially of my own people, who best know him, that I am altogether misprized. But it shall not be so long, this wrestler shall clear all. Nothing remains but that I kindle the boy thither, which now I'll go about. Exit. Scene 2. Long Before the Duke's Palace. Enter Celia and Rosalind. I pray thee, Rosalind, sweet my cause, be merry. Dear Celia, I show more mirth than I am mistress of, and would you yet I were merrier? Unless you can teach me to forget a banished father, you must not learn me how to remember any extraordinary pleasure. Herein I see thou lovest me not with the full weight that I love thee. If my uncle, thy banished father, had banished thy uncle, the duke my father, so thou hadst been still with me, I could have taught my love to take thy father for mine. So wouldst thou, if the truth of thy love to me were so righteously tempered as mine is to thee. Well, I will forget the condition of my estate to rejoice in yours. You know my father hath no child but I, nor none is like to have. And truly, when he dies, thou shalt be his heir. For what he hath taken away from thy father perforce, I will render thee again in affection. By mine honour I will. And when I break that oath, let me turn monster. Therefore, my sweet rose, my dear rose, be merry. From henceforth I will, cuz, and devise sports. Let me see, what think you of falling in love? Marry, I prithee do, to make sport withal. But love no man in good earnest, nor no further in sport, neither than with safety of a pure blush thou mayst in honour come off again. What shall be our sport, then? Let us sit and mock the good of fortune from her wheel, that her gifts may henceforth be bestowed equally. I would we could do so, for her benefits are mightily misplaced, and the bountiful blind woman doth most mistake in her gifts to women. "'Tis true, for those that she makes fair, she scarce makes honest, and those that she makes honest, she makes very ill-favouredly. "'Nay, now thou goest from fortune's office to nature's. Fortune reigns in gifts of the world, not in the lineaments of nature.' Enter Touchstone. "'No. When nature hath made a fair creature, may she not by fortune fall into the fire? Though nature hath given us wit to flout at fortune, hath not fortune sent in this fool to cut off the argument? Indeed, there is fortune too hard for nature, when fortune makes nature's natural the cutter off of nature's wit. Peradventure this is not fortune's work neither, but nature's, who perceiveth our natural wits too dull to reason of such goddesses, and hath sent this natural for our whetstone. For always the dullness of the fool is the whetstone of the wits. How now, wit, whither wander you? 
Mistress, you must come away to your father. Were you made the messenger? No, by mine honour, but I was bid to come for you. Where learned you that oath, fool? Of a certain knight that swore by his honour they were good pancakes, and swore by his honour the mustard was naught. Now I'll stand to it. The pancakes were naught, and the mustard was good, and yet was not the knight forsworn. I'll prove you that in the great heap of your knowledge. Ay, Mary, now unmuzzle your wisdom. Stand you both forth now, stroke your chins, and swear by your beards that I am a knave. By our beards, if we had them, thou art. By my knavery, if I had it, then I were. But if you swear by that that is not, you are not forsworn. No more was this knight swearing by his honour, for he never had any. Or if he had, he had sworn it away before ever he saw those pancakes or that mustard. Prithee, who is that thou meanest? One that old Frederick your father loves. My father's love is enough to honour him, enough. Speak no more of him. You'll be whipped for taxation one of these days. The more pity that fools may not speak wisely what wise men do foolishly. By my troth thou sayest true, for since the little wit that fools have was silenced, the little foolery that wise men have makes a great show. Here comes Monsieur Lebeau. With his mouth full of news. Which he will put upon us as pigeons feed their young. Then shall we be news-crammed. All the better we shall be the more marketable. Enter Lebeau. Bonjour, Monsieur Lebeau. What's the news? Fair princess, you have lost much good sport. Sport? Of what colour? What colour, madam? How shall I answer you? As wit and fortune will. Or as the destinies decree. Well said. That was laid on with a trowel. Nay, if I keep not my rank. Thou losest thy old smell. You amaze me, ladies. I would have told you of good wrestling, which you have lost the sight of. You tell us the manner of the wrestling. I will tell you the beginning, and, if it please your ladyships, you may see the end, for the best is yet to do, and here where you are they are coming to perform it. Well, the beginning, that is dead and buried. There comes an old man, and his three sons. I could match this beginning with an old tale. Three proper young men, of excellent growth and presence. With bills on their necks, be it known unto all men by these presents. The eldest of the three wrestled with Charles, the Duke's wrestler, which Charles in a moment threw him, and broke three of his ribs, that there is little hope of life in him. So he served the second, and so the third. Yonder they lie, the poor old man their father making such pitiful dole over them, that all the beholders take his part with weeping. Alas! But what is the sport, monsieur, that the ladies have lost? Why, this that I speak of. Thus men may grow wiser every day. It is the first time that ever I heard breaking of ribs was sport for ladies. Or I, I promise thee. But is there any else longs to see this broken music in his sides? Is there yet another dotes upon rib-breaking? Shall we see this wrestling, cousin? You must if you stay here, for here is the place appointed for the wrestling, and they are ready to perform it. Yonder, sure they are coming. Let us now stay and see it. Flourish. Enter Duke Frederick, Lords, Orlando, Charles, and attendants. Come on, since the youth will not be entreated, his own peril on his forwardness. Is yonder the man? Even he, madam. Alas, he is too young, yet he looks successfully. 
How now, daughter and cousin? Are you crept hither to see the wrestling? Ay, my liege, so please you give us leave. You will take little delight in it, I can tell you. There is such odds in the man. In pity of the challenger's youth I would fain dissuade him, but he will not be entreated. Speak to him, ladies, see if you can move him. Call him hither, good Monsieur Le Beau. Do so, I'll not be by. Monsieur the challenger, the princesses call for you. I attend them with all respect and duty. Young man, have you challenged Charles, the wrestler? No, fair princess. He is the general challenger. I come but in as others do to try him with the strength of my youth. Young gentlemen, your spirits are too bold for your years. You have seen cruel proof of this man's strength. If you saw yourself with your eyes, or knew yourself with your judgment, the fear of your adventure would counsel you to a more equal enterprise. We pray you for your own sake to embrace your own safety and give over this attempt. Do, young sir, your reputation shall not therefore be misprized. We will make it our suit to the duke that the wrestling might not go forward. I beseech you, punish me not with your hard thoughts, wherein I confess me much guilty to deny so fair and excellent ladies anything. But let your fair eyes and gentle wishes go with me to my trial, wherein, if I be foiled, there is but one shamed that was never gracious, if killed, but one dead that was willing to be so. I shall do my friends no wrong, for I have none to lament me, the world no injury, for in it I have nothing. Only in the world I fill up a place which may be better supplied when I have made it empty. The little strength that I have, I would it were with you. And mine to eke out hers. Fare you well. Pray heaven I be deceived in you. Your heart's desires be with you. Come, where is this young gallant that is so desirous to lie with his mother earth? Ready, sir, but his will hath in it a more modest working. You shall try but one fall. No, I warrant your grace. You shall not entreat him to a second. That have so mightily persuaded him from a first. And you mean to mock me after. You should not have mocked me before. But come your ways. Now, Hercules, be thy speed, young man. I would I were invisible to catch the strong fellow by the leg. They wrestle. Oh, excellent young man. If I had a thunderbolt in mine eye, I can tell who should down. Shout. Charles is thrown. No more, no more. Yes, I beseech your grace. I am not yet well breathed. How dost thou, Charles? He cannot speak, my lord. Bear him away. What is thy name, young man? Orlando, my liege, the youngest son of Sir Roland de Bois. I would thou hadst been son to some man else. The world esteemed thy father honourable, but I did find him still mine enemy. Thou shouldst have better pleased me with this deed, hadst thou descended from another house. But fare thee well, thou art a gallant youth, I would thou hadst told me of another father. Exeunt Duke Frederick, Train, and Lebeau. Were I my father, cuz, would I do this? I am more proud to be Sir Roland's son, his youngest son, and would not change that calling to be adopted heir to Frederick. My father loved Sir Rowland as his soul, and all the world was of my father's mind. Had I before known this young man his son, I should have given him tears unto entreaties ere he should thus have ventured. Gentle cousin, let us go thank him and encourage him. My father's rough and envious disposition sticks me at heart. 
Sir, you have well deserved. If you do keep your promises in love but justly, as you have exceeded all promise, your mistress shall be happy. Gentlemen, giving him a chain from her neck, wear this for me, one out of suits with fortune, that could give more but that her hand lacks means. Shall we go, cuz? Aye. Fare you well, fair gentlemen. Can I not say I thank you? Ah, my better parts are all thrown down, and that which here stands up is but a quintain, a mere lifeless block. He calls us back. My pride fell with my fortunes. I'll ask him what he would. Did you call, sir? Sir, you have wrestled well and overthrown more than your enemies. Will you go, cuz? Have with you. Fare you well. Exeunt Rosalind and Celia. What passion hangs these weights upon my tongue? I cannot speak to her, yet she urged conference. O oh, poor Orlando, thou art overthrown. Or Charles, or something weaker masters thee. Re-enter Lebeau. Good sir, I do in friendship counsel you to leave this place. Albeit you have deserved high commendation, true applause and love, yet such is now the duke's condition that he misconstrues all that you have done. The duke is humorous. What he is indeed more suits you to conceive than I to speak of. I thank you, sir. And pray you tell me this. Which of the two was daughter of the duke that here was at the wrestling? Neither his daughter, if we judge by manners. But yet indeed the lesser is his daughter. The other is daughter to the banished duke, and here detained by her usurping uncle to keep his daughter company, whose loves are dearer than the natural bond of sisters. But I can tell you that of late this duke hath ten displeasure against his gentle niece, grounded upon no other argument but that the people praise her for her virtues, and pity her for her good father's sake. And on my life his malice against the lady will suddenly break forth. Sir, fare you well. Hereafter, in a better world than this, I shall desire more love and knowledge of you. I rest much bounden to you. Fare you well. Exit Lebeau. Thus must I from the smoke into the smother, from tyrant duke unto a tyrant brother. But heavenly Rosalind. Exit. Scene three. A room in the palace. Enter Celia and Rosalind. Why, cousin? Why, Rosalind? Cupid, have mercy, not a word. Not one to throw at a dog. No, thy words are too precious to be cast away upon curs. Throw some of them at me. Come, lame me with reasons. Then there were two cousins laid up, when the one should be lame with reasons, and the other mad without any. But is all this for your father? No, some of it is for my child's father. Oh, how full of briars is this working-day world! They are but burrs, cousin, thrown upon thee in holiday foolery. If we walk not in the trodden paths, our very petticoats will catch them. I could shake them off my coat, these burrs are in my heart. Hem them away. I would try if I could cry, Hem! and have him. Come, come, wrestle with thy affections. Oh, they take the part of a better wrestler than myself. Oh, a good wish upon you. You will try in time, in despite of a fall. But turning these jests out of service, let us talk in good earnest. Is it possible, on such a sudden, you should fall into so strong a liking with old Sir Rowland's youngest son? 
the duke my father loved his father dearly doth it therefore ensue that you should love his son dearly by this kind of chase i should hate him for my father hated his father dearly yet i hate not orlando no faith hate him not for my sake why should i not doth he not deserve well let me love him for that and do you love him because i do look here comes the duke with his eyes full of anger enter duke frederick with lords mistress dispatch you with your safest haste and get you from our court me uncle you cousin within these ten days if that thou beest found so near our public court as twenty miles thou diest for it i do beseech your grace let me the knowledge of my fault bear with me if with myself i hold intelligence or have acquaintance with mine own desires if that i do not dream or be not frantic as i do trust i am not then dear uncle never so much as in a thought unborn did i offend your highness thus do all traitors if their purgation did consist in words they are as innocent as grace itself let it suffice thee that i trust thee not yet your mistrust cannot make me a traitor tell me whereon the likelihood depends thou art thy father's daughter there's enough so was i when your highness took his dukedom so was i when your highness banished him treason is not inherited my lord or if we did derive it from our friends what's that to me my father was no traitor and good my liege mistake me not so much to think my poverty is treacherous dear sovereign hear me speak ay celia we stayed her for your sake else had she with her father ranged along i did not then entreat to have her stay it was your pleasure and your own remorse i was too young that time to value her but now i know her if she be a traitor why so am i we still have slept together rose at an instant learned played ate together and wheresoe'er we went like juno's swans still we went coupled and inseparable she is too subtle for thee and her smoothness her very silence and her patience speak to the people and they pity her thou art a fool she robs thee of thy name and thou wilt shore more bright and seem more virtuous when she is gone then open not thy lips firm and irrevocable is my doom which i have passed upon her she is banished pronounce that sentence then on me my liege i cannot live out of her company you are a fool you niece provide yourself if you outstay the time upon mine honour and in the greatness of my word you die exeunt duke frederick and lords oh my poor rosalind whither wilt thou go wilt thou change fathers i will give thee mine i charge thee be not thou more grieved than i am i have more cause thou hast not cousin prithee be cheerful knowst thou not the duke hath banished me his daughter that he hath not no hath not rosalind lacks then the love which teacheth thee that thou and i am one shall we be sundered shall we part sweet girl no let my father seek another heir therefore devise with me how we may fly whither to go and what to bear with us and do not seek to take your change upon you to bear your griefs yourself and leave me out for by this heaven now at our sorrows pale say what thou canst i'll go along with thee why whither shall we go to seek my uncle in the forest of arden alas what danger will it be to us maids as we are to travel forth so far 
Beauty provoketh thieves sooner than gold. I'll put myself in poor and mean attire, and with a kind of umber smirch my face. The like do you. So shall we pass along, and never stir assailants. Were it not better, because that I am more than common tall, that I did suit me all points like a man? A gallant curdle-axe upon my thigh, a boar-spear in my hand, and in my heart lie there what hidden woman's fear their will will have a swashing and a marshal outside, as many other mannish cowards have that do outface it with their semblances. What shall I call thee when thou art a man? I'll have no worse a name than Jove's own page, and therefore look you call me Ganymede. But what will you be called? Something that hath a reference to my state. No longer Celia, but... Aliena. But, cousin, what if we essayed to steal the clownish fool out of your father's court? Would he not be a comfort to our travel? He'll go along o'er the wide world with me. Leave me alone to woo him. Let's away and get our jewels and our wealth together. Devise the fittest time and safest way to hide us from pursuits that will be made after my flight. Now go we in content to liberty and not to banishment. Exeunt. End of Act One.